0: And we're now going to have our reading. It looks slightly different to normal. So we're having it read to us by two people who you won't see. So I'll tell you who they are, because you'll try and work it out otherwise. So it's Joe and it's Freddie. And we're having a reading from Genesis 1. And there's going to be parts that we all say together. So keep your eyes on the screen. And I'll, I'll definitely start us off when we get to the parts in bold. But do join in with me.
1: First this. God created the heavens and earth. All you see, all you don't see. Earth was a soup of nothingness, a bottomless emptiness, an inky blackness. God's spirit brooded like a bird above the watery abyss.
2: God spoke, light, and light appeared. God saw that light was good and separated light from dark God named the light day he named the dark night it It was was evening evening. it It was was morning morning. Day day one
1: God spoke sky in the middle of the waters separate water from water God made sky he separated the water under sky from the water above sky. And there it was.
0: It was was evening, evening. it It was was morning, Morning. day Day two.
2: God spoke, separate, water beneath heaven, gather into one place, land, appear. And there it was, God named the land earth. He named the pooled water, ocean. God saw that it was good. God spoke, earth, green up, grow all varieties of seed-bearing plants, every sort of fruit-bearing tree. And there it was.
0: God God saw that that it it was good. It was was evening. It was morning, day three.
1: God spoke, lights, come out. Shine in heaven's sky, separate day from night. Mark seasons and days and years, lights in heaven's sky to give light to earth. And there it was.
0: God saw that it was good. It was evening, it was morning, day four.
2: God spoke, swarm ocean with fish and all sea life. Birds fly through the sky over earth. God created the huge whales, all the swarm of life in the waters and every kind and species of flying birds. God saw
0: that it was good. It was evening, it was morning, day five.
1: God spoke, earth, generate life, every sort and kind, cattle and reptiles and wild animals, all kinds. And there it was, God spoke, let us make human beings in our image, make them reflecting our nature so they can be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, the cattle, and yes, earth itself. In every animal that moves on the face of the earth, God created human beings, and there it was.
0: God looked over everything he had made. It was so good, so very good. It was evening, it was morning, day six. Well, thank you, Freddie. Thank you, Joe. That was so beautifully read. And thank you, everybody else, as well. You all read wonderfully. And I hope I wasn't the only person thinking, in the Big Brother house after day five. (laughs) I I couldn't get it out of my head the whole time, but I was trying not to. So as Felucio said earlier, we've started this new series on considering creation. And last week, James told us, much to my relief, that to consider creation, we don't have to sign up and be part of Extinction Rebellion. We don't have to go on all the marches. And it's okay to just do our own little bits in the areas that we can. And that was a relief to me. But he also said about how it's just part of our faith actually. It's a holistic part of being a Christian, caring for creation. And I think a lot of us have grown up, or at least I have grown up, with this certain view of being saved, if you like. Um, It's kind of a A view that says it's all about me and God or it's all about you and God and it's about that relationship and of course it is but it it seems to suggest that nothing else matters outside of that and it's just about the love that you and God share and there's nothing else. John 3.16, this is the sort of verse that that I knew, I think I knew it from a very young age, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him shall not die but have eternal life. It's that verse that I kind of grew up on and you think, brilliant, as long as I believe in Jesus, I'm going to live forever and it's all just about me and Jesus and it's lovely, it's a very nice thought, isn't it? And of course, it's absolutely true but It seems to say that the main characters or the way we hear it is that the main character is is us and God, us and Jesus. It doesn't seem to say that there's room for anything else, that there's room for any other creation in there. It doesn't seem to to factor that in. But if you actually listen to John 3.16 it says, for God so loved the world. Like it's for the whole of, of creation. It's not just for us. And we kind of grew up with this what does creation matter you know it's fine creation's all good right we we can appreciate that it's beautiful and we can enjoy it but at the end of the day that's not the kind of thing that we're we're going to save like James said last week we're going out in the streets we're telling people about Jesus but what were we doing for creation and when I say we what was I doing for creation so it's all about this right relationship with God and we've forgotten creation. But if it's about relationship with God and if God loves creation, then surely it's got to matter to us. Because if you're in a relationship with someone and they love something, then you try and love it a bit, right? Or at least not destroy it. I mean, my husband, John, he's... Um, He's, he's with the youth at the moment, so I can say what I like. He, uh, he makes airfix models. He makes little pla- I know. I know. He makes little planes. And he, he said to me yesterday that his ambition is to, is to have the, the full collection of World War II aircraft in his little airfix models. And I thought, flipping heck. Because it feels like he's got a lot of them already. But apparently there's a lot more to go. But he, this is what he loves doing. He loves buying them. He takes so much time over putting them together, uh, painting them all intricately. And I really try and learn things about them. And e- Even if I could just remember the name of a plane, I'm pretty chuffed, to be honest. But I certainly do not go out of my way to destroy them. I don't destroy them at all, in fact. I try and take an interest. And I try and find the love that he has for them. I haven't got them. (laughs) I keep trying. You know, me and John have got godchildren as well. We have three goddaughters at the moment, and we're about to gain gain a godson, of course, which is wonderful. Um, And our oldest goddaughter, she's about six now, about. (laughs) She is six. Um, And, you know, she paints pictures for us. And when she paints them, um, she's not like, you know, she's not an incredibly fine artist. gives them to us and of course what we do is rip them up in front of her face and tell them they're rubbish no no you go oh my goodness that's so beautiful thank you and we take it home and we put it on our fridge because that's just the kind of people we are we have a fridge full of artwork from our godchildren, even the ones that are still under one that don't know they've done any arse but it's there Because when somebody gives you a gift like that, when somebody loves something or makes something for you, you just don't throw it away. You don't trash it. If somebody you love loves something, then you do your best to love it too. So loving creation isn't something we can opt out of as Christians, actually. It's kind of this is part of it. Now, The account that we had read to us is, of course, Genesis 1 or part of Genesis 1. I did chop out some verses because otherwise we'd have been here for a few hours. Um, So it was part of Genesis 1 that we had read to us. And I don't know if you're with me here, but I think a lot of people kind of grew up looking at Genesis 1 as almost like a science book. Like it was read like it was... um, that was exactly how it happened. Or maybe it was, there's, I think there's a verse in the Psalms that says a day is like 10,000 years to God. Um, so maybe, maybe you grew up with that view that all this stuff happened in creation over 70,000 years instead of seven days, maybe. There's lots of different ways that people have kind of looked at this. Um, and if you believe in seven-day creation, then that's not a problem at all. Good for you. Um, and you can go on believing that. That is That's absolutely no problem to me. But I really do think that you can get so much more by seeing this as a piece of poetry, by seeing this as a beautiful story and not maybe quite as the factual account that people have believed it to be. So you see, the structure, the way we had it read today was to emphasise that poeticness about it. We had the repetition, the parts that we all said, because it's structured in that way. That was the message version, by the way, but that is how it is structured. It's this formula to creation to help us to see, to engage. And when you read it as poetry, it changes it, doesn't it? Because if you read a textbook, then you're reading it in a certain way, but if you apply that way that you're reading a textbook to poetry, generally you're going to end up a bit confused. Generally speaking. I I mean, I I wasn't great at English at school, but I remember reading poetry and going, I ain't got a clue what that's saying. (laughs) So I think reading it as a poem, you can find so much in it. And I'd suggest that the ancient Hebrews were writing a piece of poetry. They weren't looking to answer the question, how? They weren't looking to tell us, how creation was made or how we were made but they were looking to answer the question why why creation was made why we're made and of course if you dig into that you always have to look at the context and James is uh, he's always teasing me I can tell you because he's not here he's uh, he, he teases me about um, when I start off talks by saying we're going to start right at the beginning and I give a big overview from Genesis to where we are in whatever reading it is Um, And I can't do that, because I'm in Genesis 1. But I can say, let's go back to before the beginning, and that's what we're going to do. So, um, in ancient Mesopotamia, so this is, they believe, before the Genesis account was written, there is a story that they had. They had many different creation stories, and one of them is called Enuma Elish. Good name. Catchy. Um, And so, in this story there are the swirling waters, chaotic waters, before creation comes into being. And the waters separate into troublesome waters and peaceful waters. And they are named. One of them is called Apsu, one of them is called Tiamat. And they are the named gods that come into being. And these gods um, become lovers and they create children who are the younger gods. So they have a a whole host of gods now. But what happens is um, Apsu gets annoyed with the younger gods because they're being really noisy. (laughs) Um, He gets really annoyed with them. He just wants his peace and quiet. And he comes up with a plot to get rid of them. And so um, this plot, um, Tiamat isn't particularly happy about it uh, because she's their mum. And she tells her eldest son Enki. And Enki comes up with a plot to kill his dad and Enki does kill his dad. And then, of course, Tiamat's not very happy because her son has just killed her husband. And so, (laughs) it's a long story, I know. Um, And so what happens then is that um, Tiamat goes and finds a friend. I don't know where her friend is from, but there's um, a friend that she has. He's called Quingu, not Pingu, Quingu. Um, And so she goes off to Quingu, and they say, okay, we're going to go to war with your children because this is not on. Um, and they create 11 monsters to try and take the children down. Um, And what happens, basically, is one of the children, Marduk, kind of rises as this god who is going to overpower all of the others. And so Marduk actually defeats Tiamat and Quingu and the 11 monsters. And what he does is he shoots an arrow through Tiamat, and she splits in two. And from her corpse... Creation is made. From her corpse, Marduk creates the heavens and the earth. And then they decide that they need somebody who's going to basically be their servants, the gods. They want people who are going to be their servants, who are going to do what they want, who are going to do all their work for them so that they can just kind of chill out a bit. And so what they do is they decide that Quingu, who helped, that they're going to kill him, and that's where they make humanity from. So this story of creation says that people are made out of this God who has been killed. And creation is made out of this horrific scene where a God has been overpowered by another. And the suggestion is that actually the writers of Genesis knew this story. They knew it. And they were writing a different account to put forward a different idea of creation of God, to say, no, that's not what we think, this is who our God is. So in the Genesis account, you have a God who is three in one, Trinitarian God, who is love, who is community, who is unity, creating the heavens and the earth out of nothing. Because he wishes to express himself. Because God is love and love creates. So he's creating this thing that is so different from this other story that we heard. It's a world that reflects its creator, it's a world that God rejoices over and is absolutely delighted over. It said time and time again, it was good. That can be translated as beautiful. It was beautiful. And God sees it again and again and says, it was good. The writers knew what they were doing in this. If everybody else around them knows the other creation stories that are about, that are always destructive, that are always showing that creation is made out of war, that the heavens and earth are made out of these war scenes that are really horrific, that people are made as servants or slaves to the gods to do their work for them. But the Genesis writer says, no. Creation is made as an expression of God's love, as an expression of God's beauty. And he says it was good over and over again. So what we actually end up with is this account that affirms the sovereignty of God. Unlike the other Mesopotamian story, we see that God is entirely sovereign. There is no dispute within God. Unlike the other story, there is no dispute here at all. There is only love. There is only community. We have an account that affirms the perfection of creation It shows how beautiful it is, that this wasn't made out of war, that it wasn't made out of destruction, that it wasn't a byproduct of something else, but that it is stunning, and God intended it. And it affirms the place of humanity as well. Not made as servants, not made as slaves, made to enjoy the creation that God had made. Made, yeah, to look after it, but as a gift. Put on this planet in the image of God. Made like him. So that we can enjoy it and care for the beauty that is around us. And if we're really going to engage in caring for creation, then we need that why. Why should we? And that's what Genesis is offering us It's that picture of intentional creation made for the enjoyment and the beauty of it, made by a God of love, a creation that shows his love, a creation that shows all of his creativity in wonderful, vibrant colors. You only have to go on a short walk to start seeing it. It's beautiful. The Genesis account offers us this view of creation that is not destructive, but is good, is made from good, and still is good now in 2021. There are so many whys as to why we should engage with creation, why we should look after it, but this is our main why, because God made it. And if we love God, then let's care for that creation that he's made. Let's see the beauty that it is. If God delights over it, shouldn't we? It's beautiful. And of course, you know, we're so driven to to love others as Christians as well, aren't we? So we we think, oh, we, we need to love everyone around us. And yes, we do. But one of the best ways that you can love others is by caring for creation. If I love my God children, then I'll care for creation because it makes a world for them to live in that's better. It means that they can live in this world, that they can be in a sustainable planet. You know, God entrusted this world to our care. And Jesus is reconciling all things to himself. And that includes this creation. So we join with him in doing that. And there are so many different things that we can do. This, I think we can get crippled because it feels huge. right? You look at the news and you, you read stories and you think, oh my goodness, this is a, it's a crisis and it's a huge crisis. There's no denying it. But we get crippled by it, and we think, oh, what can I do? I can't do anything. What difference am I going to make? But actually, if we just all do what we can, there can be a huge difference. We're looking at becoming an eco-church, and Kath is heading up the team on that. (laughs) She jolted then when I said her name. (laughs) Work you up, Kath. but yeah, we're, we're looking at becoming an eco-church and we're doing everything that we can to do that because we think that this is really important. We have to engage with this. But there are so many things that we can all do as individuals. Whether it's just choosing to shop locally, to buy local produce rather than produce that's been flown in. Whether it's choosing to go meat-free, maybe even a day a week. John, John finds that a struggle. <laughs> but... All of these small things can make such a difference. You know, car sharing, introverts, it's terrible, isn't it? I know it is, but car sharing with people to places, if you can, it makes a difference. Saying, actually, I'll attend that meeting that's an hour away by Zoom instead. I know we don't like Zoom, but if that's an option, if we're able to, it makes a difference. Simply recycling like here at church, they, that we don't have, um, the council don't collect recycling. So for us, that means taking the recycling home with us. That's fine, that's what we'll do. But just recycling, being conscious to recycle more, using sustainable energy companies. I think, is it Octopus that's one of the most sustainable energy companies? I'm getting nods, that's good, I'm with them. <laughs> but choosing sustainable energy. Not using single-use plastics. That's a huge one. Because plastics are are in the oceans. They're killing animals. The effects from plastics is huge. But all of these things, things that we can do, but maybe what we need to do is just fall in love with creation again. Just go out for longer walks. Appreciate it more. Maybe even leave your phone at home if you're brave. Just go out and enjoy the beautiful creation that God has made. Because if we fall in love with it again, if we learn to see all the wonder that God has made around us, then I'm pretty sure that we will absolutely find ourselves doing all of these things because it is worth caring for. So let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your creation. We thank you that it is made out of love, that it's made out of a God who is community. God, we thank you for everything that you have given us. We thank you for our place in your world. And we pray that you would help us to see the wonder that you have made, to see the beauty that you have made, And to help us to engage in caring for your creation. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's join in.